Welcome one, welcome all. Welcome back to the Bricks in the Wall. I am your host, Juan, aka truth.in.media on Instagram. And we're back at it, folks. I'm trying to be consistent again. Uh, I said I was getting busy earlier, but I'm going to try to carve out at least get y'all show once a week. And today I have someone very interesting. Someone that, oh, we're going to have airplanes flying over us, guys, so you're going to have to bear with me. It seems like they know uh, me and our guests here. We're about to start dropping some truth bombs, and uh, they're trying to maybe steer us away from that, but that's how it goes. So today we have a very interesting guest. Like I said, I've been following this person for for a couple of years now, I think. Um, um, Thanks. I, I always liked the content, and uh, to be honest, I thought it was a guy who was posting all these things because uh, this person never showed their face. And I just found out yesterday that it's actually a woman. And so without any further ado, I'd like to welcome to the show your comrade and mine, Miss Tina. How are you doing, ma'am? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm great. I can't believe I'm actually talking to you. Um, I remember when I first started following you, mm-hmm. I saw you, you had like so many followers and you were always posting like great, awesome shit. And I was still learning how to do that, like maneuver that mm-hmm. realm. Because for the longest even since Facebook came out, I always had the idea, because I always, as a child, I always had this activist mentality in my mind, like try to right all the injustices and all the corruption. I don't know how I saw this as a child. And so Mm -hmm. when Facebook came out, I, in a sense, was doing that. I was just posting like clips from news segments when they were like doing weapons of mass destruction and it was all a lie. But people weren't really digging it because it was just my everyday life friends. And uh, so I kind of let it go. But then right before the pandemic started, I had a calling to to start like putting my voice or to start doing at least something. And yeah. so um, I, as, as soon as I started posting, I started meeting people like minded people, you know, who were into the same things. And then right. somehow I came across your profile and I was like, oh, shit, this is awesome. And I, and I think this was around the time you were posting about the riots in China. Do you remember? Uh yeah, that would have been, yeah, that would have been just before the pandemic, though. Right. Yeah, and that's when I started yeah. getting into Instagram and trying to, like, figure out how I'm going to post these things and, like, my style or what I was going to do. And I saw right. yours, and you were a huge inspiration for me. And I was like, wow, okay, this is how you kind of do it. You got to put a nice caption, you know, put a hash, hashtags, you know, how to, like, really mm-hmm. make a good post. And I kind of right. styled it after yours, and then I kind of just kept going off of there, and it's, it's so interesting and fascinating how through this process you go meeting other people and you learn about other sources and you learn about different reporters or journalists who are also doing the same thing. And here we are now talking and you're yeah. in Mexico, right? Yes. Yes. Free in Mexico. <laughs> and that's the interesting thing. I'm, I meet people from all over the world who have the same mentality of, of awakening, even though that term has kind of been corrupted through the whole woke agenda, you know? Yeah, yeah. They definitely stole the term woke from us. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, awake is what we use. Right, right. I don't use too many terms. I try not to box myself in with terms and, and, and names and, yeah, uh, trending logos, so right, to speak. Right, but, right. Um, yeah, we get it. We yeah. get it. And so, yeah. and so the reason I invited you here is because I wanted to listen to your story and hear how someone like you, like, comes out of this, like, 
seemingly dark world like there's people out there who genuinely care for like freedom morality doing things the proper way and it seems like we're now in a world where evil just happens all around us and we hardly care yeah so take us back tell me about your childhood or what you think it was as you were growing up maybe your parents uh your school bullies or what do you think it was that kind of led you down this path of yeah first of all uh-huh. questioning yeah, and- you know, it's, it's interesting because you said you were going to ask this question i was like oh wow i gotta think about this i haven't thought about it in a while and i just kind of was thinking you know definitely i think childhood trauma has made me strong and um yeah resilient and able to take things uh kind of on the cuff and and keep going and when i say that it was just you know when i was very young my mom was in an abusive relationship with my biological father and so that's what i was born into um but i feel like i was lucky because when i was five she met who i consider my father now and he was such a kind is such a kind he's not gone (laughs) he's such a kind uh kind of common sense man who um you know i was able to learn from and be guided by um and again um you know my mom was a bit of a narcissist as well so yeah i kind of saw things at a young age and i had to deal with them on my own because even though my stepdad was you know the best of the best you know, I was my mom's child. And so he didn't really step over what she wanted or suggested. So yeah, it was, it was a very confusing time for me. Bullies? No, I didn't have any bullies in, in school. We had a pretty chill vibe in our school. Everyone was, maybe some of that had something to do with my upbringing as well, but at least my recollection of it is that everybody got along, you know, the whole uh, stereotypical band nerds and jocks and we were just all friends. You know, we might not have hung around together all the time, but I don't recall any bullying or or anything like that. So, But I mean, I guess you could say your your dad was the bully at home. And because what I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. But, you know, my mom as well, you know, being a narcissist, it was um, definitely, you know, not providing the children with, you know, much love or or um, hugs, things like that, Mm -hmm. you know. So it actually took me quite a while into adulthood because, you know, as you gain friends through university, things like that, everyone's a hugger these days. And I remember like stiffening up like oh this is so uncomfortable for me to hug someone hello now that's what I do (laughs) I'm a hugger now well that's sorry go ahead sorry go go ahead ahead. that's okay no no you're the guest no I I want to hear you you know now through all of that um yeah somehow I just became stronger more resilient um you know I had some dicey relationships too when I was young and so because that's kind of what I saw when I was growing up. Um, but yeah, through all of that, I just, I don't know, I became more resilient and stronger as opposed to others that may go the other way and use it as an excuse as to why right. they 
didn't achieve what they wanted to or aren't able to do something yeah amazing I, i love that because that's the trend i've noticed they're doing all these podcasts i've noticed a lot of the people who are sort of awakened have had like a really either a troubled childhood or an illness or something terrible happening. And it's also Mm -hmm. interesting because I read a book about shamanism and it said that most of them get a calling as a kid, you know, either uh, an incident, a snake bite, hit by lightning, something very traumatizing kind of like turns them online. And what one of my guests calls the switch, there's a switch in your mind that goes on like, okay, this may be bad for me, but I'm not going to let this pull me down. I'm going to overcome this. And that's what I've always been seeking to find what that is so I can explain it to my daughter, you know, because some people will yeah. become drug addicts or have like really hard, terrible childhoods, but they succeed and they overcome and they become sort of healers. You know, they, they go out there and try to help others overcome their struggles as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, um, I mean, we can theorize, you know, about it all day. It, it's hard to say exactly what you know, enables some to become strong and get through it, no problem. And others to just kind of sink into that hole of despair and let their vices get the best of them. Um, it's, it's tough to say, you know, I'm a behavioral psychologist and I still, I don't go by everything I've learned. Um, I still think, you know, we're terrestrial beings. We, uh, we're very unique. And, you know, even though I do believe, uh, in a lot of, you know, scientific theory, not the science, scientific theory, like actual science. Um, I also know that, you know, we're, we're all humans. We're different. We make mistakes and that includes science. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I guess you kind of came out of that and you realized there's a better world through your friends and then through your new dad, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, you know, it was, a, it was a long process. Like I say, I had a couple, um, you know, relationships that weren't very good. And I basically came out of it thinking to myself, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. That's all I want. Um, you know, when you're younger, you want to have nice cars and big houses. And I remember wanting all that too. But I was exhausted fairly early on in life, um, late twenties. And I was just like, all I really want is to be happy. I want to be able to live comfortably and be happy. And that was kind of the, you know, the light bulb for me, so to speak. And from there on, I was just like, if it didn't make me happy, I I just wasn't doing it. Mm. It didn't mean that I didn't do some things that made me unhappy, but I noticed them very quickly such and as I was them. So, yeah such as what um it could be a relationship mm-hmm. uh you know whereas in the past i would see all these red flags and as we do we ignore them or we maybe um create a new uh, <laughs> a new theory for them as to why they're doing it because they love me so much um you know things like that instead i i got smart i used my brain um i listened to my insides mm. i listened to my, what my body was telling me mm. you know we have this internal function that most of us even i you know had it turned off um we are programmed from a very early age 
you know, by our parents. And I mean, they don't mean to. Our parents are, you know, they're doing the best that they can. Um, but then we have television and we are just indoctrinated from day one, basically. So it kind of, you know, you have to deprogram yourself, but first you have to realize it. Right. And I think the difference with me as opposed to some other people is that I just started listening to my gut. Mm. You know, I listened to that internal being inside me that was like, oh, I'm a little anxious about this, or I'm not sure this, this person is giving me, you know, weird vibes. Mm -hmm. And instead of hanging around and discovering what these vibes are, whether they're, you know, abusive or just a negative vibe all around, or however that turned out to be, I just wasn't hanging around for it anymore. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And so was this occurring around the time you started because you we talked earlier you said you have uh, several careers was what, what what were you thinking of studying at that time what was going on in your life during that time um i was kind of floundering at that time um i yeah i was just working in customer service having a good time mm -hmm. <laughs> it wasn't until i didn't start going to school till my late 20s um okay. i was a late bloomer so to speak um, but yeah, then I went and got my degree in business and, um, yeah, I, I had some jobs in it and software and worked my way up in one computer training company. And then there was nowhere else to go, uh, literally in the company. I was the director and there was nowhere else to go. And I'd been there for five years in that position. Mm -hmm. And so I put my resume online and a company in New York um, scooped me up and I thought, oh, this will be a good experience. And so I went there and I kind of never looked back. I've been working around the world since. So, yeah. That's amazing. So when exactly did this, I guess, activist uh, personality in you that you have now this affiliation for freedom and like justice, when did this arise from you? Um, it was kind of, there were two different things that happened. Um, again, I think my childhood obviously, uh, perpetuated the freedom, uh, not the freedom one, sorry, just, just the strength, the, um, the fight for what is right uh -huh. and what is true. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, like I say, my mom had, I don't, actually know I you know if she was ever diagnosed with anything but she was clearly a narcissist she she made up stories um, random stories they weren't hurtful or anything they just weren't true and so you know I would grow up thinking this and then I'd be told by my brother like no that never happened oh, wow. um, so it again it instilled in me like I only want to tell the truth it doesn't mean I don't lie I don't lie on purpose. I'm not always right. But as far as I'm concerned, it's my truth. Mm -hmm. um, and so this was just something that I wanted to, I don't know, it was instilled in me at that well, point. Well, I think it also <laughs> coincides with what you said earlier. You said you wanted to be happy. And I guess when you look out into the world and you see what brings unhappiness and you kind of correlate it to certain powers that be just put out certain policies that just dwindle mankind or our possibility to become, you know, a, a powerful united nation. It's more like divisiveness, learned helplessness, um, 
teach you to want materialistic items to feel fulfilled, all these false lies that they instill in us that kind of lead us toward dead ends. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I say, the strength part of me was built through childhood up into adulthood, and it was incremental. Um, and then the freedom part, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't give a shit about politics. I didn't give a crap about any of that in my 20s. I just wanted to have fun, party, have a good time. Um, the, the freedom part basically started right near the, the pandemic. That brought it all, all out of me. Um, because it didn't make any sense to me. Um, the, the, the science that I knew, the, the medicine that I knew and that I understood that had been the way it had been since I was born was suddenly, uh, being told to me in a completely contradictory way. And it just didn't make sense to me. And there was no proof being shown and I didn't believe it from day one. Um, I have friends that are activists and fighting for freedom as well, but they all wore masks in the beginning. Um, you know, they thought maybe there is something going on and that's fair. Um, but I never did. I just never did. I haven't worn or touched a mask since or ever in my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's kind of the adage that I live by. I don't go by people's words. I go by their actions. Mm. And um, so, yeah, what I was seeing wasn't correlating with what we were being told. And none of it made sense. Stand six feet apart, yet viruses go through the air. Right, you know, right, things right. like that. It's like, okay, well, the air doesn't end at me because I'm still breathing oxygen, you know? So let so me ask you, let me ask you, sorry. Uh, so yeah. there was never a moment of fear? Because I remember I, at first I was afraid. It took me about two months because then around June, I, I started really thinking like, wait a minute, viruses are tiny particles that go over these plastic things that they think are going to protect us. And then I really started thinking and logically and then remembering all the ideas that people were putting before that vaccines are not good for yeah. you and that there's a whole plan. And then you instill it with the whole new world order agenda. And it kind of just started clicking for me like, oh, of course, how did I miss it? I've been studying this and it just like flew right over my head. So I ask you, you always kind of like, knew in a way that this wasn't anything real? Yeah, yeah, I, I was never afraid, ever. Um, I, when I was younger, my grandfather came to live with us um, when he was dying of cancer. And so he came to stay, uh, we had a spare room and my mom took care of him. And then when he got near the end, he was transferred to the hospital. And I remember when he passed, he passed because of the flu. He obviously had cancer. He died from cancer, but he had caught influenza and, you know, he had no immune system left. I think I was eight or nine years old at the time. And I remember this clearly. And um, yeah, so he passed with the flu because, you know, it had gotten into him because he had no immune system and he passed away. Um, so, yeah, when I was hearing what everyone was saying, you know, or what the government and what the, you know, um, Bonnie Henry and all those psychos in Canada were saying about, you know, this, this flu, it, it just, it, it didn't make any sense. And the fact that the flu didn't exist at that time. And yet every year, every single year of my life and my parents' lives and the lives of people beforehand, we had flu seasons. Mm -hmm. We had the flu viruses doing their 
you know, antigenic drift and shifts and, and going into a stronger uh, virus or, or, you know, getting, becoming less of a threat of a virus. Um, I guess, what do they call that? Herd immunity, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people and a lot of people listening to your, your podcast may not believe in viruses. I know there's people out there that don't believe in germ theory or anything like that. And that's fine. I mean, you know, we all can believe what we believe as long as it's, you know, um, educated and, and researched. I personally believe in germ theory. It makes sense to me. Um, but I'm just not alarmist. Mm-hmm. I, I just never have been. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but yeah. I see you had your profile, you started your profile on Instagram. Uh, let's just plug it up real quick. It's freedom uh, dot. dot is dot essential. So yes. I, I see you did it in uh, 2018. Uh, what was your mentality before you opened this and what was your goal to do? Um, it actually used to be organic living. Okay. And yeah, and I started that, I think back in 2008 or 2009. And that had to do with me, my health, uh, not feeling well, a lot of aches, a lot of pains. Um, going to the doctor and I'm young at that time, right? Like I'm in my twenties and um, I'm going to the doctor and they're giving me all these medications. And one day the doctor calls me and he says, you have to stop taking, I think it was Celebrex. Um, And he said, people are dying of heart attacks on this and where it's being removed. So here, take this one instead. And I was like, no, that was my limit. I was like, no, 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 I'm going to figure this out on my own. Mm Um, and yeah, that's when I got into natural health and organic health and, and eating well and like doing the research and finding out everything about it that I could. Um, at that time I had IBS, I had aches and pains that were conducive to an 80 year old woman. Um, I went for a massage one time and the massage therapist actually told me that. He goes, your back is so tight. It's like an 80-year-old person. (laughs) Yeah. And um, it took about nine months for me to start feeling better. But that was, you know, removing sugar, removing dairy, eating organic food, clean food. Um, exercising, getting sun on clean skin, doing all of that. And Mm -hmm. at the nine months, I started to feel better. But it it took probably about three to four years to be at 100%. Um, Yeah, and I chalk some of that up now in retrospect to um, before I left to travel, everyone told me, and I was just going to New York at the time, but everyone told me, oh, you you need to get... um, uh the hepatitis trio shot thing because you're going to be traveling and you know i was ignorant at the time i was like oh okay whatever (laughs) so i went in and uh the doc said yeah let's do it gave me a shot and when i went home um again i didn't correlate it until many years later but i wasn't feeling well i was feeling achy and, and and sore And, um, and when I went back for the second shot, I was like, I'm going to tell him about this. But unfortunately, the nurse came in first, gave me the second shot. Then the doctor came in, I told him and he goes, Oh, he goes, well, two will be good enough. He goes, "You, you probably have enough, but it sounds like you're having a reaction to the vaccine. 
And, you know, now if I heard that, I'd be like, all right, we're taking action. But back then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we just won't do the third one. Um, but my body after that started to literally petrify. How it's, so? Yeah, like if I went for a massage, I was like, you can't touch my lower back. It felt like a piece of plywood that would snap. Wow. Um, I couldn't close my hands. Sometimes I couldn't get out of a car without, you know, moaning and pain. It was embarrassing. I was late 20s, early 30s. I wasn't, you know, some 80-year-old person walking around. And yet that's how I felt. So, yeah, I totally detoxed my body. I threw out everything in my cupboards. And I just, you know, started fresh and just started eating food that bugs would eat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when I saw a bug in my salad, suddenly it wasn't gross. It was like, okay, that lettuce is good to eat. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Have you seen that video where they try to feed the dog McDonald's and he, he won't eat it? Yeah. It's interesting. That's my dog. It, that, and it's so fascinating how, I, how you said that I just didn't really know at the time. And it's sadly, that's how most people are. They're like just so indoctrinated, like you said, into following the narrative of just go to the doctor yeah. and trust him. And then, yeah. like you said, you just started eating better and you felt a whole lot different. And if we could just do that, mm -hmm. like imagine if at schools we fed kids like organic, natural food, have their own gardens there where they can grow their own food. Like I'm, just that one thing alone can make such a difference. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And that's why I'm convinced that, you know, the government has some underhanded schemes going on. I mean, it has to be. There's no other reason because they're keeping people sick and it's on purpose. I'm a hundred thousand billion trillion percent convinced it's on purpose. Well, for the um, medical industry to exist, there has to be sick people. And if we had healthy people, it wouldn't continue to work. Exactly. And that's what I believe vaccines are. It's the gateway into, um, you know, being a medical patient for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, SIDS, right? SIDS for babies. Right. Um, perfectly healthy baby just doesn't die in the middle of the night, no. you know? Yeah. Right. When I think the third major leading cause of death is hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, so you said that you started feeling bad and you got the vaccine and then you totally cleaned yourself and you started eating healthy. And this was, I guess, your catalyst to start posting on Instagram and you started with organic food and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all about organic food, clean eating, clean living, that type of thing. Um, if I'm being honest, I can't recall why I changed it to freedom is essential in 2018. <laughs> Um, but you know, I think yeah. what, I, what I've noticed, the thread within all these stories that I've heard from, heard from people, it usually is just from discovering that we've been lied through either through the food, through, like you said, through vaccines or uh, yeah. population or just there's a myriad of things that we've been lied to. And when someone wakes yeah. up from that, then they start discovering, oh, then I was also lied about this. Oh, and this and this. And then you start seeing the bigger picture. And then you notice yeah. that, okay, wait, why are things the way they are? Most people just want to live happily and healthy with their family. Who is mm -hmm. out there making bombs and like dropping it on people? And then you start seeing, oh, okay, it's politicians, policy. But then you start looking behind that and then you start seeing that, yes, money and control are part of the thing, but the whole real thing is power. What they want power to yeah. control and manipulate your mind so that they, they can have control. So the, they indoctrinate mm -hmm. us into being dumb little just workers so that they can continue to be in control. And this has been happening for thousands of years. And like I, well, like I said, you noticed that, that through the food, that they were 
fucking us up. And then you discover, mm-hmm. oh, okay, now I'm eating healthy. Now I feel way better. Now your brain's thinking clearer. Now you can actually have deeper thoughts. And then you, you, that's it's just a roller coaster. You start learning more and more. And so, so now you yeah. stick mainly to freedom and stuff. So what is your method of, of researching and exposing these things to people? Um, well, I mean, there was a lot that I did when I was in Victoria. I helped with the protests. and um, Protests for what? Um, for freedom, freedom against masks and, and, and jab mandates and, and all of that. So it was really uh, convict that, that got me into that. Um, you know, being out there on the streets in the rain with the signs and, mm-hmm. and everything. Um, but you know, I, I saw some people as well that I kind of didn't think belonged there. I, I think that our movement, there can be bad people and good people in, in both camps Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so um you really have to have the critical thinking gene you really have to be able to decipher information and people on your own i saw i saw during these protests as they got bigger and that i i I saw people selling t-shirts, fighting, Mm. spreading lies about each other. And I was like, what is going on? Like, we are supposed to be bringing people together, sharing information. And so, you know, while I did protests for a couple years there, um, I pulled out of those because those ended up just being another bunch of people who, you know, were angry at each other or wanted to make more money in, in something. And I was like, this isn't about the money. This mm-hmm. is about the truth. Right. Right. You know? And it's interesting. Yeah. I've noticed the trend like that people get into it and then they want to like, just keep the ball rolling and kind of, they start fear mongering as well. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're also mm-hmm. falling into the thing that we're fighting against. And I'm sure you've had this. I've had some people attack me being like, oh, you're fucking wrong. You're, you're lying. This is all. You've been brainwashed. You're a conspiracy theorist. And then, like, even people within the community would fight with one another. And I'm like, what are yeah. y'all doing? And I wonder if that's just a human tendency. And once you get in a big group, you kind of, like, start shoving each other. And it's like, how do we – I'm sure you've thought about this a lot. How, how, do you, how do we get a lot of people to kind of – see things through, uh, I guess, a clear lens, like to kind of shed all their indoctrination. I mean, I've figured out a couple of ways. I mean, I think I don't like to push it on people, but I feel psychedelics are a good way, but I don't recommend them for everyone. I also feel like meditation is a good way. But what are some of the methods you've, I'm sure you're a psychologist as well. What, what, how do you walk people through kind of, I guess, having these breakthrough moments? Fear. Yeah, we got to remove the fear. We definitely need to remove that. Um, but people have to be open to it, you know, and that's the thing. That's where everyone gets stopped up is because they're fearful, but then they're fearful to understand anything different as well. You know, that seems like a lot of stuff, especially depending on their age. Um, so, you know, there's, there's kind of a, a state of anxiety. Andrew Huberman talks about it and he calls it limbic friction. And it's just, kind of like the state of anxiety that people live in and it will determine too much of that limbic friction prevents any kind of habit formation and what we do is a habit right mm-hmm. things we do throughout the day maybe new things we do isn't a habit but mainly most of our days are our habits and things that we do 
Um, so to change those, we need to remove that friction. We need to remove those blocks and those fears. And I like to say, if you listen to what I say, if you just sit back and open your mind and listen to what I say, and then at the end of me speaking, you can close your mind again and you can walk away believing exactly what you believed when you came into this room with me. And it won't hurt. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> There's no side effects <laughs> except possibly opening your mind and learning something new. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to say that to certain people that just refuse to listen to anything and just repeat the narrative. And you know, you know those people easily, right? Mm -hmm. Because you've heard what they've said over and over again on TV, on social media. It's like, yeah, I've heard that sentence so many times. So you know those are the people that haven't actually put any thought into what's going on. They've just taken in the information that they hear and regurgitated out mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. and over and over again. Um, so yeah, if we could get those people just to sit down and open their minds just for, just for an instant and ask questions. I, I, I think um, questions are definitely necessary, but when they're receiving the answer, you know, they need to kind of listen and then we would listen to them as well. But this is how people need to communicate. We need to grow our emotion, emotional maturity. Um, we need to understand information isn't painful. It's, it's actually powerful. And if people would grasp that and know that it is their choice to change. So if they end up not wanting to change, that's their choice. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what we're fighting for freedom, freedom of choice, freedom of speech, freedom of everything, you know? So just like freedom of speech means you can say hateful things right. and I can say good things. It's our freedom. It's our right to do that. Same goes with, you know, listening and learning. It's your right to shut your mind and, and not uh, listen to what people are saying. But it's also your right to open your mind and change. Right. All of that comes with freedom. Right. Yeah, it's just so frustrating because it's, the solutions really are so simple, but it's we're fighting against this world narrative. Like, there's I just saw this amazing documentary. Uh, it's called uh, Framing Reality. I'm gonna send you the link, and it's very yeah. interesting because it it talks about how the reason that things work the way they are is because we've been having social conditioning for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. For thousands of years, we've accepted the fact that a small minority of people have the right to control the masses. And it's just because yeah. little things they explain, like little things like giving a child toys, it starts instilling in them the, the mentality of possession and um, what was the other word they used? Of, of ownership and, and possession. And in a sense, you're kind of starting that little seed of greed that eventually through as they grow and through school and society, they start getting these societal programs that kind of get them to just accept what's going on. And don't they can't see past that because that's the culture that they grew up in. And so once right. you're, you grow up within a system, it's very hard to see outside of it. And I guess that's what all these metaphors like the Matrix, Plato's Cave, they're all talking about this idea of seeing a different world. It's going to like literally blind you. When you're in Plato's Cave, you're in the dark, right? You, you can't see right. the light. And you come out to a world that's so bright, you can barely take it in. But once you kind of acclimate to it and then you kind of see what's really going on, that there's more out there than what you thought, 
it kind of uh -huh. like changes your mind. But the frustrating part is when you come back into the cave to, to show this to others, it's like they, they want to kill you. They don't want to hear it because they're stuck within their framework of what they think reality is. So like, yeah, it's so frustrating to kind of like, to like you, basically what you say is you got to get them to sit down and open their mind. And me kind of yeah. like as a psycho, you've seen that movie, um, Clockwork Orange. Yes, you long know, time ago. You know how they <laughs> how they sit that guy to a chair and like basically have his eyes peeled open so he has to watch what's on the TV. So yeah. I created a playlist. It's over like four hundred videos now, and it's a playlist to kind of help the normie who doesn't know anything about this uh, start awakening. And so it starts off with Terrence McKenna asking the question, you know, when you die, what are you going to say you did to kind of change the world for the better? And then it starts going into kind of asking questions about freedom. What is the freedom of speech? And then into documentaries of Plato's Cave and just different things like that to kind of help people waken up. And so that's kind of been my, my plan or my um, personal solution to help reach those people who, who have no idea of any of this. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. That's a great idea. But, don't, um, but isn't it... You know, uh, Go ahead. So isn't it wrong? Though? It would be wrong to like pry people to a chair and, and like have their eyes open and watch that. It's kind of wrong, right? But that would be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be wrong. But making that playlist and you know guiding people to it, I know it's tough. It's so tough. You know, I tried to guide my dad not to take the jab, but you know he didn't listen. It is what it is. We really need to get good with ourselves and, and know that we are doing the good work. But as I say that, I, I feel a little bit of trepidation because I also know that people on the other side, not everyone is a horrible person and they too think they are doing the good work. Right. So it's, it's really about everybody listening to everybody so it's not only you and i guiding and informing people but it's also us sitting back and listening to why they think that exactly um you know we all have to listen to each other and we all have to communicate and one thing that i'm really surprised that we don't know is that yeah there's just a tiny percentage of people ruling us ruling the world and that if we just, you know, got together collectively, we could take all that back and live the lives that we wanted to. Mm -hmm. Everybody could have food. Everybody could have housing. Mm -hmm. um, we, we could live happily and, you know, synonymously. It is possible. Um, you know, if, if the entire world went, you know, two, three days without buying Starbucks, you know, maybe they would listen to us and they would stop making their paper cups right. with forever chemicals, right. <laughs> you know, things like that. I can, I haven't had Starbucks in years, but, um, you know, it's, it's really just about that. If we don't buy gas for a day or two globally. Right. Like, See, I've had those ideas as well, but the, the thing is, how do we get everyone collectively on the same page? That's exactly, exactly. And, and that's, why I wish, you know, we had a bigger platform. Unfortunately, we don't have that platform. Um, you know, the politicians, the bot media, they do. They have the power, the money. Um, so 
I think my lot in life is to help those that feel that they want help, um, you know, mentally mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and teach them how to compartmentalize. You know, I can, sometimes I get comments on my, my Insta and it's like, you're so angry and this and that. And I'm like, actually I'm not, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just posted that. I put my feelings and then I put my phone down and I went out and walked my dog. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not angry at all. Right. I can compartmentalize things because like I say, at the end of the day, I want to be happy. And if it doesn't make me happy, I've gone days without posting before just because I'm too busy with life. Right, right. You know, so it's, it's really about um, doing what makes you happy and actually posting things, posting information and hopefully getting through to somebody uh, makes me happy. So I do it. Right. You know, the comments aren't always kind, but I had one message when I was organically living and I still, I saved it. And I was living in Australia at the time. And the woman messaged me, private messaged me. And she said, I've been on your page for probably four years now. And I just want to thank you. She said, um, I vaccinated my first child and, you know, they have a lot of allergies. They can barely eat anything without having an allergic reaction, this and that. And she said, our family has collectively decided not to do any more vaccinations for any of us, the adults, the children. And I just want to thank you. And that was so nice. And, you know, that was, I've gotten maybe a few of those. So in over 10 years, I've maybe gotten three or four really nice emails. And, um, you know, that's what keeps me going. I helped four four people. I'm I'm happy. Right. (laughs) That makes up for all the nasty messages people send. It does. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, four people as a family and then, um, you know, eventually her kids will have kids and that'll be instilled in them. Right. Yeah. You know, organic living and, and hopefully it'll perpetuate through their entire, you know. Right. So, so like earlier yeah. when you were talking about the protest, like uh, my, protesting is a nice, cute thing. But at the end of the day, you're, that really isn't doing anything. And I love how you said the real change yeah. is. And I also came to this conclusion is like, yeah, we can fantasize about creating coalitions of people and uniting the whole world under one collective. But that's kind of too grandiose. The simplest yeah. and quickest thing you can do is when your family with the people right around you like have, i'm sure have you heard of testimony like christian testimonies or people who like were drug addicts or who were really bad people changed their life because of a, a spiritual calling and they changed their life and now the way that they live their life and their story it's like a, a, a someone else can hear their story and be like oh my god he, he was that terrible and he and now he's helping blind poor people or whatever they do now and it's just yeah. like, to me, that's the most powerful thing. Somebody who had like, like, for example, you, you had a really t- tough childhood, but you came out of it and now you're actually trying to help people be happy, healthy, uh, free, and like just how to be a proper human. And like you said, just talking with pe- your neighbor, that's how you beat the new world order. Yeah. Like I, I guess I just, you know, if we're just kind to each other, kind to ourselves included. Um, yeah, it'd be a lovely world. It, it just seems so simple to me. And I think that's probably my biggest frustration right, right. is it just seems so simple. It, it is, um, it is. But and like- that's why I work with the mind because the mind is probably the most complex. It's the thing that 
that rules us, you know, right down to like, if we want to start going to the gym, we want to start eating right. It's our mind that we have to get that into, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so our, our, um, our consciousness really only takes in a little bit of information. We have to get it into our subconscious if we want to make a change. Mm -hmm. And most people just think about going to the gym and then they go for a few, you know, a few weeks, few months, and then they're not going anymore. Um, So it's kind of, you know, we can transfer that into what's going on now is, you know, some people, I saw them at the protests in the beginning and then they stopped going. It's just kind of, what's the word, fair weather. Mm. And it's something that we need to, some of us have it just innate in us. It's instilled in us. I was in Australia, when I was living in Australia, I was walking through the quay by the opera house and there's a bunch of um, beautiful restaurants in there. And you can sit on the patio and look out at the quay, at the water, the ferries coming in, the harbor bridge. And I was walking there with two friends of mine from Canada, uh, a husband and wife. And as we're walking by near the water, there was this huge meathead, this huge man, obviously, you know, a uh, uh, result of steroids. And, you know, he had a girlfriend and she had a small child, probably about six years old, a little boy. And he was assaulting them right there in the key. And I looked around and people were drinking their wine and eating their steaks. And my friends I was with was like, don't, don't, Tina. <laughs> and I, I can't, I can't sit here and watch this. And so I went up to them and I said something and he came up to me and he just got really close to me and I stood there and then he came really fast at me and I flinched and he said, yeah, that's what I thought. And to this day, I am so angry at myself for flinching, but I said something, I stood up to him mm-hmm. and you know, he was easily six feet, two fifty. Um, and I instantly went to the police after that. And they said, we can't do anything unless she, she puts in a complaint, but that's just who I am. I'm like, this guy could have dropped me so easily. And many do in Australia. Sorry, Aussies, but you know, you do have a domestic <laughs> issue there. Um, so yeah, you know, but that just who I am and why am I that way? I don't know. Maybe because I was that woman. You know, that, that's and, beautiful. You know, and, and that's, I don't want anyone else to go through that. So that's so beautiful and synchronistic because just last week I saw the movie American Sniper. Have you seen it? I have. Yes. And here I just yeah. want to play this scene. I, I recorded it because I'm planning on posting it, but it's it perfectly describes what you're talking about. How there's people yeah. out there who see the injustice and do something. And so if you remember, uh, just to explain the scene, guys, this is a father. Uh, of the guy from the movie American Sniper, he's talking to his kids about standing up for your family and for your, your, just standing up for your family and being there for your little brother and doing whatever it takes no matter what. And so this, here, I just want to share this with you. This is American Sniper, guys. And we're not raising any sheep in this family. And I will whoop your ass if you turn into a wolf. There are three types of people in this world. Sheep, wolves, and sheepdogs. Some people prefer to believe that evil doesn't exist in the world. Even if ever darkened their doorstep, they wouldn't know how to protect themselves. Those are the sheep. And then you got predators. 
use violence to prey on the weak. They're the wolves. And then there are those who've been blessed with the gift of aggression and the overpowering need to protect the flock. These men are the live to confront the wolf. They are the sheepdog. And we're not raising any sheep in this family. And I will whoop your ass if you turn into a wolf. Well, that's just repeating, but that basically, like, exactly, there's people in the world who, who see the injustice and are basically activists or become journalists or do whatever they can to expose what, what's wrong in the world. And they don't have any fear. They don't care if they're, like, standing up against a meathead. That's you. That's yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, um, my friend, her, and I, I think her husband was a bit emasculated, but... You know, it was, it was like, I, I had to do it. I, and, and when I separated from those people and I, I turned around and I looked at the people eating their wine, their, their steaks and drinking their wine. And, you know, I yelled at them. I was like, is, is this a show for you? Like, is this okay with you? And it, it also made me realize all oh, those people on social media that put, you know, mental health awareness and be kind to yourself and be kind to others. And you see all of these posts. I never believe any of them. I need to see this person actually doing it to right. believe them, right. you know, because probably there were a lot of them drinking their wine, watching this, you know, and then they'll go home and post, you know, something about, uh, standing up you for know, yourself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And I'm just, I'm just tired of people talking all the time. Yeah. I, I'm tired of listening. You know, mm -hmm. I want to see things happen. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so, you know, I've gone from really a, an extrovert to I'm not an introvert. And but you know, I do like my solitude now. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a lot more um, by myself with my dog than ever before. And I love it. I choose when I'm with people now because yeah. it seems like the last five or six years, it's really um, exhausting for me if I'm around people that, you know, you hear about these um, energy vampires mm -hmm. and I don't like to use these terms really, but that's the only way I can, I can explain it. You know, and I feel like sometimes when I leave them or when I leave certain people, I'm just, I'm drained. I'm exhausted. Right. And I prefer to be, you know, filled up. And so a lot of the times I have somehow developed the ability to do that myself. I don't need somebody's affirmations, um, things like that. Like, it, it's nice. Thank you for the compliment or, or whatever. But, you know, that's not what drives me. That's not what fulfills me. Mm. Um, it really is how I feel inside. And if I do something good and I feel it, then that's, that's kind of what I'm living for right now. Mm. I love it. And I love it. I mean, it's sad to say I love that you had like a bad father because it made you the person that you've become now. And you're helping yeah. all the people that, that you've helped now and that you keep on spreading your message without dwindling or without fear. And if you had got, I guess if you had a message to share with the world, what would it be? It would be to open your mind, always open your heart, and search and find happiness because that's all that matters in the end. We can't take any of this with us. We can't. 
And can you imagine if the entire world was open and happy? It would be heaven. Yeah. Yeah, we could. Yeah. We could do it, but it's just we're fighting against this this big oppressor that's been happening for thousands of years. And like you said, just talk to your neighbors, eat healthy, and that's how you win. That's literally that simple. Yeah, you know, it, it, it really is. It's have you yourself and your family live your best life. And if we all do that collectively, we're not going to listen to the negatives that come in. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people, it affects them. And those are the people I hope to help. Um, I've, you know, I, I lost my little clinic in Victoria because of all of this. And I could have just given up. That's it, you know, but no, I'm, I, I found a way to move on because you have to, because I ultimately want to be happy and have a good time in life. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not afraid of death or anything like that. So yeah, I just, I just live every day as honestly and kindly to both myself and others as I can. And yeah, I, I go to sleep feeling pretty good about life. I love it. I love it. I, I, I'm so proud of you. And it, it sucks that you lost your Happy. clinic. And I guess to help you out, um, you, do, you did open up a shop where you can sell. You sell like apparel and accessories. Can you give us information about that? Yeah, I actually haven't looked at that for a while. Um, but yeah, the link is in, um, in in my links on my Instagram. I'll add it. So I, yeah, I've created a few... Uh, good t-shirts and stuff on there and then some things for fun. Honestly, I do things that just, you know, um, spur my creativity and make me happy and fill my spare time. And yeah, if, if somebody else enjoys what I do, then that just makes me even happier. Um, but yeah, I do most everything for myself these days. And I just hope that other people enjoy it and it can, um, you know, make them happy too. Yeah. And if they have any questions or anything, I'm happy to answer any of them. Yeah. And I love guys. She has these hoodies and shirts. They says pure blood on it. And that would be a great conversation starter. Just wear it. And then somebody says, what, the, what does that mean? You can just start talking about, hey, you know, the vaccine actually changes your blood. Like it changes your DNA. And just yeah. slowly from there, you know, conversation, who knows what it could lead to. Yeah, no, exactly. And if you come to Mexico, bring me one. I tried to order a bunch of my own stuff and I can't, it, it just keeps getting stopped at the border. So mm. I don't know why. So, um, yeah, but I would love to wear some of those. <laughs> well, y'all heard her here, folks. Tina, uh, I'm going to, her Instagram is freedom.is.essential. Uh, her website link is a little long, so I will put it in the show notes. Uh, if people wanted to get in contact with you other than Instagram, how would they do so? Because you do, you do, um, you do psychol yeah. psychology and you help people, you do sessions and stuff, right? Yes, yes, I do. So it's shine therapy um, at proton.me. Shine therapy. You might check me there. Okay, send me that link and I'll add it on the show notes. Yeah, I will. I will. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening to the show and uh, go check out our links. And remember, know thyself, improve thyself. Find the others, and then you'll know what to do. Peace. All right, guys. I hope you all enjoyed that episode talk with Tina. Uh, she has a great Instagram. Go check it out. Freedom.is.essential. Um, and just the way that she styles and um, dictates her post is very interesting and very telling that you know she knows what's up. 
And so as I was thinking uh, what song to play us out with, <clears throat> since we talked a lot about COVID, I figured I'd kind of uh, do this retort here at the end. Um, I'm going to play a song by Billie Eilish, even though I don't like her and she's very dark. But then, but she has a song that she did for the movie 007, No Time to Die. And we're just going to do a quick recap here. But if you notice or if you're paying attention, you'll realize that the whole movie is about COVID. And this movie was supposed to come out the year 2020. And it got delayed a couple times and it came out just a couple years ago. And so the whole movie basically is, spoiler alert, just don't listen to the rest of this uh just end the podcast now if you don't want to get spoiled. Um, the movie is about a weapon that was designed using mRNA technology, which gets uh, molecules or whatever this disease or this weapon is, gets sent out through the air, through AC vents, and it gets inhaled by people. And it can be dormant in whoever, or it can be spread from person to person, effectively um, infecting the whole population. And so this weapon can be in an on and off switch, essentially. And so whoever gets infected with this weapon, uh, someone can literally push a button somewhere else on a computer screen and kill you. And so what 007 is trying to do is stop this from happening. And um, it's just very telling because that whole movie is about that. And so before I play the song that I'm going to play out with, I'm going to play this part of the movie in which they're talking about what the this weapon is. And before I play that, I also want to point out in the, in the movie, the villain, the bad guy, his name is actually Lucifer. It's not Lucifer specifically, but Lucifer. That's very telling, right? Like, why would they name him that? They could have named him anything else, but they named him something very similar to the name Lucifer. And so, here, this is the part where they're talking about what this weapon is. Check it out. The blood samples of all of them. Nice. Good work, Mammy. Thank you, sir. Double what? What are they? They're... They're nanobots. Right. Microscopic bio-robots that can enter your system by the slightest contact with your skin. Programmed with DNA to target specific individuals. Heracles was, it was designed to be the most efficient weapon in our arsenal, passing through people harmlessly before reaching its intended target. But Obrichev modified the nanobots so that they can kill anyone related to the target. Anyone? Well, since it's DNA-based with further modifications, yes. Families, certain genetic traits, single nucleotide variants and polymorphisms that could target a range from individuals to all ethnicities. You infect enough people, and the people become the weapon. It was never intended to be a weapon of mass destruction. It was a... I need to call the Prime Minister. A time of quarantine the families from the funeral. Yes, sir. And Q, happy to blow... And so, so see, they're, they're basically explaining to the audience who doesn't get it. Uh, a real clear... I forgot what he, he said it's called... Um, Heracles is a weapon that was designed to go through people harmlessly and only attack uh, certain individuals whose DNA was targeted. <clears throat> and so there you have it. Basically, that movie was supposed to come out in 2020. 
telling you all about what's going on. So I wonder when the movie was written, when all of this was going down, and how all of this actually happens. It's very interesting. And so like I said in the episode that I did last week, I truly feel that there's dark forces or entities working here with people being being the muse, the one who puts these ideas into people's head. And then these people go out and write screenplays or songs or do certain things that promote this agenda that is for bringing the new world order to enslave humanity in a sense. And so with that, I'm going to play out with the song uh, from Billie Eilish. It's called No Time to Die. And um, when I first heard this song, like I said, I don't know if I already said this. I had to re-record this because the dogs were barking. But when I heard this song, I remembered it was from the movie. And so I paid closer attention. And it, it, it to me, it sounds like it's coming from the point of view of somebody who was asleep, who doesn't or didn't know what's going on. And they're slowly coming to the revelation that they've been duped, that they were dumb and they didn't see what was obvious and right in front of their eyes. But again, you can also hear this song and take it as the sense of someone who was swindled in a, in, a, in a dating relationship or something. But either way, like I always say, I think the, these things that are being portrayed to us, have, these things have layers of meaning. And there's many layers that you can understand and look at and analyze and see the different layers of meaning and symbolism that is within a certain idea. <clears throat> Anyway, sorry guys. I hope you uh, liked that episode. Please check out the links below. Donate, share, use what you learn from this to apply this knowledge in your life that will actually create a change. So remember, know thyself, improve thyself, find the others, and then you'll know what to do. This is No Time to Die by Billie Eilish. Peace.
Peace.